Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We are just concluding a series called um, Running with Horses. Interesting title, Running with Horses, or the subtitle, Living Your Best Life When Life Isn't at Its Best. And uh, it's taken out of the book of Jeremiah, where God challenges the prophet of Israel, Jeremiah, when he's going through an extremely difficult times. And he basically says this. We're going to put it up on the uh, screen. Chapter 12, verse 5. If you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets of the Jordan? Basically, God was challenging the people of God and Jeremiah, saying, what are you going to do if it gets worse? What are you going to do if it gets worse? Are you going to quit at the first wave of opposition? Are you? And I think maybe he's challenging us. And I think he challenges us during our difficult times. Are we going to run with men? Or are we going to step off the treadmill and run with horses? Are we? Good question. Kind of a challenging question. I want to shift a little bit. When I was a kid, I played sports all the time. I think just because everybody did it. Uh, uh, fifth grade, I played flag football and basketball, wrestling and baseball. And you know how you are. It's like, oh, when I was I was a Hagen Hornet. And uh, sixth grade, same thing. Seventh grade football got a little different. Seventh grade, we put we were serious. Now we got helmets, we got cleats, we got you know pads. And uh, got a little more serious. And I remember many times, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, I played football, and then I got a belly full of that. Went and played golf. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was the best decision I ever made. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I remember many times playing over here at Knowles Field. It was across the street from where Sykes used to be. And the ground in the middle of the field was just hard as a rock. And you were out there on a cold winter day, and you're playing football, and you're smashing heads, and people stepping on your fingers, and it's, oh. And uh, sometimes when the ref wasn't looking, somebody cheap shot you, you know, or they'd be talking trash to you. And um, we'd go to the locker room about halftime. And, of course, the coach was kind of the fatherly figure, you know, and he would say to us, we need to return to the fundamentals. We need to get back to what we practiced this week. You know, we can go out at the end of the game and be hateful and bitter, revengeful, but usually that resulted in more penalties rather than points, okay? And uh, the reason I tell you this story because sometimes life is a little like that. 
We get our fingers stepped on. We're out there in the cold, people talking trash to us. And You know what I'm saying? Sometimes life is a little like that. And when you and I are right in the middle of challenging seasons of our lives, losing at the game of life, you ever been there? You're losing. It feels like, and Jeremiah was there. He was feeling like, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, when you and I are there, when we don't know what to do next, when we're out of our own strength, and even at the end of our own wisdom, at the end of our own resources, at the end of our own abilities. Sometimes when we have lots of abilities, we really lean on those. And guess what? When you get older, it starts to wane a little bit. Okay, I'm an example of that. Okay, so you think, well, I used to be able to play the guitar, but you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> when we're in those seasons, we need to return to the fundamentals of our faith. We need to Draw closer to the Lord. Draw closer. We can get worn out by running with the men of this world, or we can step off that treadmill and run with horses. We can step off that treadmill, draw close to the Lord, return to Him, return to His ways, return to His thoughts, return to His word, and run with horses. We can decline... Or life could just become an inevitable decline into bitterness and brokenness and woundedness. I've been there. I feel like I was on this downhill climb into woundedness and bitterness. Somebody said something. Said somebody did something. I was running with men. And you'll be worn out. But God is calling us to run with him. To step off. To return. To return. Say this word, return. If you don't remember anything I say this morning, I want you to remember that one word. I forgot what it was? Yeah, okay. Uh, That's how we run with horses. We can return to him. We can return to his ways. We can return to his heart. We can return to his word. We can return to him. Jeremiah's life was a life of mockery and rejection of the very people he loved. His own people rejected him, mocked him. His life was a life of famine. His country was in siege. He was in exile. He was living somewhere he didn't want to live. And you and I don't experience those things in the physical, but we do experience those things. We experience even exile at times. I don't want to be here. This doesn't feel like where I'm supposed to be. You ever been there? That's kind of a feeling of exile. Jeremiah was feeling like he was being pounded into the ground. He was losing at the game of life. He was worn out. You and I can conform to this world, to men, to their patterns of thinking, their external, superficial attitudes. We can, and we'll be worn out. Or we can step outside of that and run with the horses. We can live cautiously and fearfully, or we can live courageously by faith. We can. We can choose that. God was really what he was doing was drawing Jeremiah back to himself. Have you ever noticed that God draws people over and over again? He's always drawing people back 
to himself. He's drawing. He's drawing you and I this morning back to himself. The redemption story itself, from beginning to the end, is about God drawing people back to himself. If you have your Bibles, um, lift them up, and uh, let's just pray. And Father, we thank you that we have the Word of God. It's so rich. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Father God, that Scripture is breathed. It's God-breathed. It's your very Word in your very heart. We thank you for that. Speak to us today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, a very familiar verse. Isaiah was one of Jeremiah's contemporaries. He also was a prophet of the Old Testament, the people of God. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Let's put that up. Okay, let's read this. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says only in returning to me and resting in me will, be, will you be saved. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and trust, in quietness and confidence is your strength. In the very beginning there it says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Okay, get this. The uh, Sovereign in the uh, Hebrew text is a name. In my Bible it's capitalized. That means it's a proper name. The Lord himself calls himself Sovereign Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I want to read to you my favorite scripture about uh, the sovereignty of God. If you want to jump to Colossians chapter 1 in the book of the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 1, this is the greatest scripture in my mind about the sovereignty of God. And you can just sit and listen and try to visualize and try to really get this piece here. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, He existed before anything was created. He existed before anything was created. Anything. Think about anything. That's a big word. He existed before anything was created. There's two billion galaxies in what's called the known universe. He existed before they were created. And he is supreme over all of creation, for through him, through Christ, God the Father created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Through, through, through Christ, God the Father created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. I don't know if that messes with your mind a little bit, but it does mine. That's a big thought. He made everything we can see the things we can, and the things we can't see. He made the thrones and the kingdoms and the rulers and the authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Christ and everything was created for him. Is that a big thought for you this morning? Are you sleeping? Okay, these are big thoughts. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Guess what? Christ holds your life together. He holds everything together. 
And everything that's, that's a, that encompasses quite a bit. That was supposed to be a joke. But... <laughs> okay. Yes. He holds everything together, Christ does. For God in the, all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through God, through Christ, God the Father reconciled everything to himself. He reconciled it. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. By the means of Christ's blood on the cross, he made peace with everything. The environment, you, me, everything. He made peace by the blood of Christ. That's a big thought. And this is the sovereign Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says to you and this is what the sovereign lord said to isaiah the holy one of israel only in resting in me only solamente the only way there's only one way only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength. Right in the midst of his difficult times, God speaks to Isaiah about his sovereignty, and he says, return to me. There's only one way to do this, Isaiah. And he would say that to Jeremiah, and he would say that to you and I this morning. There's only one way to do this. Return to me. Turn around. The word in Hebrew there is kind of a repentance word. Only in turning around, only in changing your mind, only in stopping to continue to live your life by your ways, but turning around and having your mind renewed, begin to think his thoughts and begin to live his ways and begin to go on his path. Only in that and now resting, only in returning to me and resting. There's a trust element to rest. How many of you know that? How many, or do we just double our efforts and continue to bang our head against the wall trying to figure life out? Running with men will be worn out. But if you want to run with horses, we've got to stop. And we've got to return. And we've got to rest in Him, in His ways. That doesn't sound so hard, but it's terribly hard, isn't it? And as I've been studying this, it's like I find myself stopping more often, right in the midst of a little tiny frustration of today, you know, whatever it is. I stop right there and return. I find myself returning to God ten times a day in between services today. It's like, i got to go back to my office. Stop and return. We shall be saved. And that word there, salvation, is not like uh, just getting into heaven, but it's the fullness of salvation. In returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved. You shall be rescued. You shall be delivered. You shall experience breakthrough. How do we get breakthrough? We stop. We return. We rest. Quietness and trust is our strength it's good for me.
There's a returning, a repentance, a turning around, a changing our mind, our resting in God, a quietness, and a trust that brings about breakthrough, salvation, deliverance, ultimately eternal victory in our lives. That's, that's where it's at, only in returning to me. When I stop, you get uncomfortable. If I was to sit here for a whole minute and not say anything, you would get uncomfortable. Because you know what? We don't like to stop. We don't like to rest. We don't like to quiet ourselves before God. We don't. We're too darn busy. But God is calling us to do that. In the Bible, there's tons of examples of men going through difficult times who return to God. Job. There's no greater man in there's no man in the Bible that has suffered other than Jesus, suffered more than Job himself in the Old Testament. He had everything. He had a good family. He had a good name. He had plenty of wealth. And then tragedy strikes his family and he loses everything. His children, his wealth, his livestock, his crops, his health, even his relationship with his wife and his friends. All gone. Like in a really short time period. And at the end of the story, Job returns to the Lord. And he understands that's where it's at. You see King David, who wrote all of the book of Psalms, pretty much. He's no stranger to hard times. Great man of God, but he's no stranger to hard times. He was anointed the king of Israel when he was a little boy, and yet the existing king harassed him, chased him, literally wanted to kill him. And so David spends a lot of his life running, mightily struggling with his faith and with God and asking God the why question. If you look at a lot of his uh, psalms, you'll see that at the very end of the psalm, he returns to God. He's not afraid to be honest with God about his struggles, but at the end of the psalm, at the end, which is actually a song, he returns to God. Great man of God. Moses, same thing. He suffered many instances of hard times. Uh, he struggled to believe that he could deliver, to lead the people of God. The people, many of them murmured against him. Here he was, anointed a great leader of God, and yet the people just grumbled at him, complained. He always returned to God. Peter himself in the New Testament, he uh, denied Jesus, and yet at the end he broke down wept, repented, turned to God. Jesus himself, the Son of God himself, in the Garden of Gethsemane, asks, God, is there some other way that I could get out of this suffering? In his prayer. And at the end, at the end, he comes to the realization, he says, Father, your will and not mine. He returned. He returned. That's so good. That's so good for me. And just as a side note, uh, a lot of times when we read about the people in the Bible, we think of them as exceptional people. But you know, throughout Scripture, God does not hide the weaknesses of God's people. Did you ever notice that? Here was this great man of God, and he had this entire. This he was incredibly flawed. And I think one of the reasons God did not hide those things from us. 
is because he, these aren't exceptional people. These are people that are examples of how to live, of how imperfect people walk and run with the horses. We return to God. Sometimes we uh, exclude ourselves from being great people of God because we are flawed. All of these people I mentioned are very, very imperfect people. And yet, in the end, they finished the race. They returned to God. They were examples of normal, imperfect people who've chosen to run with the horses. They've chosen during tough times, during tough times, the wisdom of God rather than their own wisdom. They've chosen to turn around, to change their mind, to trust in what God has done and not their own good works. They've chosen to rest. They've chosen to quiet themselves and to return to the fundamentals of their faith, to draw near. And in that resting, and in that returning, they were saved, rescued, and they had breakthrough in their lives. So you... When you're dealing with difficult seasons, where do you go? Can I be pointed with you and ask you that this morning? Can you ask yourself that? Where do I go when things get really tough? Are you going to be worn out by men? Or will you run with horses? Will you return to his ways? Will you? Will you return to his voice? Will you return to his heart? Or will you lean on your own understanding and just double your efforts? Will you lean on his word and his precepts? Will you be like a tree planted by streams of water? That's a picture in Psalms 1 of a tree that's planted by streams. is a man who meditates on the precepts of God, who returns to God day in, day out, Moment by moment. Like I said this week, this week I've had to return to God ten times a day. Every time I get bent out of shape about something, every time I feel like life is not, these puzzle pieces aren't coming together, I have to return to His ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now I'm going to put that verse back up there again, Isaiah 30, 15, and I'm going to, I purposely didn't put the last Part of that verse, and this time I want to. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. But you would not. You would not. The Lord says to the kingdom of Israel, to the people of God, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be delivered. Will you, have, will you be, experience the fullness of salvation? Will you be rescued? Will you see breakthrough in your life? But you wouldn't do it. Right there is the crux of our breakthrough. Right there is the crux of you and I walking into the fullness of what God has for us. Right there is where our deliverance is. Will we return? 
to him? Will we rest? Will we quiet ourselves before God? I love the story of the prodigal son. I remember the first time I heard that story. I was about 20 years old, and my life was out of bounds. Um, it was really out of bounds, okay? And I don't want you to think about that too much, but uh, um, however you think out of bounds looks, that's how I looked. And I remember sitting there listening to this guy. I wasn't a believer, but I got invited to this Bible study, and uh, this man was reading this story. And I thought, if you know the story of the prodigal son, he, he leaves his mom and dad, he leaves his home, and he goes and he lives this wild, crazy life, and then he's, he loses all of his money, and he's sitting there eating out of the pig trough when he finally comes to his senses, and he says, I need to go home. I need to go back to my father. I need to go back. Even if I was just a servant in my father's house, I'd live better than this. And I was sitting there listening to this guy tell the story, and I said, that's me. That's me. I need to return to the father. And I just, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that, hearing that story for the first time. And to this day, that story means a lot to me. Um... It's about returning. It's about returning. When we're in difficult times, when we're in challenging seasons, not only do we need to return to the Lord, but um, we need to stay together as a people, as a family, as a church. I'm going to read um, this verse out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. I think I'll just read it off the screen so I don't, sometimes my version doesn't match. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How do we run with horses? First of all, corporately, how do we run with horses as a church, as a family, as a people? How do we do that together? First of all, we do it individually. I need you. I need you to walk faithfully. I need to see you walk through the last years of your life. I need to see you finish the race. I need to see it. I need to see you, during hard times, return to the Lord. And then, I need to do that myself. And then I need to encourage you in hard times to continue on, to continue on in the faith. That's how we do it corporately. Day in and day out to continue to love. There's nothing more fundamental in the Christian life than love. There's nothing more fundamental than loving God and loving others. There's nothing more fundamental than that. How do we do it? 
we return, we rest, we quiet ourselves, we love, we encourage, and we continue to meet together. That's how we run with horses. Amen? I'm going to have the worship team come up. I'm just going to have you stay seated for a second. I'm going to give you just a moment to respond to the Lord. I want not to me. I want you to respond to the Lord. Where are those areas in your life where you need to return to the Lord? Where you need to rest in him? Where you need to quiet yourself before God? Where where are those areas? And I want you just to acknowledge them before the Lord. Just say, Lord, this area of my life is out of control. This area of my life, I need to return to you, to your ways, to your heart, to you. Yes, his goodness is running after you right now. You know the story of the thief on the cross. He simply acknowledged Jesus. That's all he did. He lived a totally horrible life, and he was dying for it. And he looks over at Jesus and just acknowledges him. And the Lord said to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Such a great picture there. Today we just want to acknowledge you, Lord Jesus. Stand with me and pray. Father, this day we just want to acknowledge you. We want to wait upon you. We want to return to you. Father God, forgive us for insisting on doing life on our own terms, insisting on our own ways, our own paths. This morning we want to return to you, Lord, and rest and trust and quiet ourselves. Jesus name amen amen I have a few action steps this week take pictures of these scriptures and then uh, I want you to read and meditate on them this week I want you to ask the Lord if there's any areas in your life that continue to need to be returned to him number two and number three I want you to call somebody and encourage them especially if they're in a difficult season of their life amen have a great week